Jones, 30, 35, 40, east of midfield, and then every kick. The Show Me Your News Network proudly presents Down the Sidelines. And now, representing the Michigan Wolverines and the West Virginia Mountaineers, you may know them as Yoko and I'm a Beast, it's Peter Stasia and Joel Orndorff. Welcome back to the Gridiron. I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. And Down the Sidelines, the sports podcast that debates and predicts the latest in the athletic world. We are part of the Show Me News Network, and this is the fifth episode of the podcast on September 26, 2012. All right. Joel, how are you doing this week? Doing pretty good. I'm excited. Uh, my team plays their first Big 12 game. So that'll That's be right. That's actually one of the games we're doing for uh, the pick six this week, so yeah. that's also a first, as opposed mm-hmm. to West Virginia going against Powerpuff teams. Yep. Powerpuff. <laughs> um, Michigan, I think, has their bye this week, so that'll be interesting for yours truly. Um, <laughs> my goodness, we're recording on a Wednesday this week. I get to move this weekend. Woo. Um this is like the only network show we're doing this week because it's you know right in the middle of this week. I'm pushing SMY and back a week mm-hmm. um, for a couple reasons, but it's mostly just the oh my goodness craziness. But we figured this lasts about you know an hour, or so we get it going and out of the way. So we start episodes of Down the Sidelines, even though we're really prediction based with the red zones. We cover three stories that mm-hmm. are the latest, and, you know what's happening in the sports world. So we start first at the twenty yard line, and what's the story there, Joel? Oh, well, um, you know, this is just recent news, and um, it's it's, t- it's talking about Notre Dame and Michigan and the rivalry that they have. You know, it's considered a pretty big rivalry, and um, they're thinking about putting it on hold. Well, they're pretty much determined that they're going to put it on hold, and I believe it starts in 2015 to mm-hmm. 2017 is yep. when they decided they're going to do that. And, I mean, it kind of makes sense in a way because, um, you, I mean, you weren't sure which teams that they were going to select, you know, which teams they wanted to keep. But obviously, like, even in the story, you know, in the article, it says they're really interested in keeping Navy and Stanford and USC. They want those teams. And then, so you've got all these Big Ten teams that they play every single year. And um, I, I'm thinking what they're going to do, because they have to have five ACC games. They're going to add those to their schedules, um, which, you know, was probably a good, good thing for them, because their schedule is so difficult every single year. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they added, like, Wake Forest and Duke. Ooh, tough, yeah, tough ACC teams, you know? So I think what they're going to do with the Big Ten teams is they're still going to want to play them, you know, because they've played them so long that they've created rivalries. Um, and, you know, they're, they're close location-wise. Um, I think they're just going to have to start rotating them, who they play. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, while it says, you know, it, it does say on hold, it's not an end. They'll probably still play again. It's just they have to do this because, you know, eventually they probably will join a conference in football so they can't go around making these crazy ridiculously hard schedules anymore because they can't fit them on their schedule so yeah making them an easy schedule still technically an independent gives them a better shot to you know go into a bcs game and all uh i was shocked to hear this news as a michigan fan uh not only just it was you know the notre dame michigan game that just ended but if you ask Michigan fans, like where the rivalries rank right now, like depending depending on who you ask, like Ohio State and Michigan State are you know battling for that one spot. I personally side with the Ohio State side, mm-hmm. um, but then Notre Dame's right there at number three. 
you. Like it's it's pretty clear that's the case. So for them to back out, I I would just say, oh, it's oh Michigan's gonna be good, and they don't want a difficult schedule and all that kind of thing. The rivalry's been going for a long time. Uh, it kind of makes sense that they want to make the schedule easier and to you know compete with in BCS games and all. Uh, but it was very surprising. So 2013, 2014, those would be the last games of the rivalry until they come up with a new decision. They're just backing out of the current agreement that the teams had, you know, three years mm-hmm. early. And it's interesting to note that um, I think they they tried to contact Michigan State's athletic director and ask him about it, and he said that he didn't know, he didn't hear anything. So I guess they haven't talked to them yet about possibly, you know, ending their series whenever. Don't be surprised if they throw Northwestern in the mix, if they're looking for another Big Ten team. I mean, mm-hmm. right there in you know, Evanston, Illinois. That's very, very close. I mean, Haven't they played Purdue a lot lately? Yeah, I mean, Purdue's right there in Indiana with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. So that's kind of a logical you know, Big Ten rival there. Mm-hmm. And Purdue's actually done the best out of the two uh, Michigan schools against Notre Dame this year, so... Maybe they should hold on to that one for a little longer. I just think it's kind. Of, I, I'm I'm starting to wonder with Notre Dame if you know the another reason that they schedule these really difficult teams is to help keep their contracts strong with NBC because you're yeah. putting premier teams on almost every other week, um, and as long as they have that contract, they don't have to join a conference. It's I mean, they really true. don't. It makes so much money, anyways. Although that'll be expiring in a couple of years, and NBC will have a, a decision to make. That'll be yeah. very interesting once that happens. Anyway, we make the play on these stories to kind of give a little predictive element to it. So, question, it's an interesting one here. I don't see if any of us you know, really getting it right. Which school do you see Michigan selecting to replace this scheduling vacancy? I, I think it kind of depends on what they want out of the game. If they want a, I mean, they could clear, I mean, they're Michigan. A lot of people would probably, you know, just for the fact that they're, they're for their name, say, oh, yeah, we'll play them. Of course we'll play them. Play them. And, like, a lot of out-of-conference schools would probably do that. I mean, like, big-time schools. So they could probably schedule another, you know, big out-of-conference game. But it, it might depend. I mean, it really does depend. They do these things so far ahead. And they give you know payouts to schools if they want another, if they want another home game on their mm-hmm. schedule or something, then they'll go get a small school, like maybe a directional mission Michigan school. I don't know. Have they played? Do they play every single one of those? They you know they rotate. So okay. um, gosh, last year they played Eastern. Mm-hmm. I no, they don't play a directional. Uh, they have you know, Western, Central, and Eastern are mm-hmm. the main ones that they're directional, and they don't play any of them this year, uh, as far as I know. But yeah, they they add those in with their non-conference. Um, now the Big Ten and Pac-12 have a kind of home on home agreement that they've been doing, uh, and that'll be in a few years or so. Mm-hmm. And Michigan picked Oregon State and Colorado and Utah. As far as I recall, as far as you know, picking opponents for these—I mean, not necessarily you know the the cream of the crop of the Pac-12, which is surprising. Um, so it's really tough to say, you know, which school replaced that. I'm just gonna—I gonna say I want them to play West Virginia. That'd be uh, awesome. It would be great. I'm just gonna put that out there as my guess because it's really a crapshoot. I yeah, I I think they should definitely you know 
at least what I consider, you know, the other three big conferences, I would go for teams from those conferences. I really would be just because it's more likely to be picked up by ABC. Right. It's, um, you know, it's more likely to be a primetime game if you schedule a tougher team. Even if, even if Michigan's having a down year. I mean, you've seen game day games where nobody's playing the best team in the country. So Absolutely. it's, I think that's what I would go with. So I don't know. Sure. I love to play Michigan. That'd be great. Playing them in basketball, playing you guys in basketball this year. I'm excited about that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Any any Big Twelve team? Any? I don't know. Let's see. Who, I don't know who in who would you like to play in the Pac-12? That's my question. USC or Oregon? USC or Oregon? Is, they're scary. Um, <laughs> I think Stanford Michigan Stanf- would Stanford be a really be, cool match. I agree. Like Stanford would be a great one. Uh, UCLA is getting better. You know, yeah. I. But I don't I, know. Like, I actually do think I think um, I think Oregon State. Will, I think that actually might be a good choice down the road because they're. I mean, they're pretty impressive this year already. Yeah, I suppose. Hmm. Anyway, something to think about. Uh, the ten-yard play. Something is happening right now in baseball that has hardly ever happened. It's you know the least a current uh, situation in baseball history. And that's the Triple Crown, where a player... Oh, geez, I just had something on my phone buzz. Huh. Said so the Tigers had lost 11 straight one-run games before yet today's 5-1, 5-4 win over the Royals. I'm tired. I just came back from a class. <laughs> I can't talk. Back on point, yes, the Triple Crown. It's when a, a player in baseball for their respective league, AL or NL, is the league leader... In home runs, runs batted in, and batting average. And Tigers third baseman Miguel Cabrera is on pace to do that this year. Now, only about eight games left or so. He's leading uh, the American League in batting average, leading in RBIs. And I believe he's one home run right now behind uh, Texas outfielder Josh Hamilton. Very rare occurrence in baseball. It's rather remarkable that... It's being picked up by ESPN and the like at this you know point in the season, and I was hold on. Does he have forty two? I gotta check my uh, my stats here because these are you know ever changing and all. Um, Joel, how remarkable is this to be in this situation here? I mean, it's pretty pretty wild. And um, like I, I was just looking at like that one article that you had on there, and um, I noticed that. Um, I noticed that uh, was it Josh Hamilton came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josh Hamilton is up by one home run. He has forty three, and yeah. Cabrera has forty two right now. No, but it. I mean, it's pretty. Um, I mean, it. It just depends. Like, you know, I don't. I don't always follow it close every year, but it's like, like I've seen it on Sports Center a few times. And like, he can keeping track of it. And I'm like, holy cow! It's like so close. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really remarkable. I think he's fine right now with batting an average and runs batted in. It's it's just the home runs right now. Yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. he's he's 0 for his last 7 right now against Kansas City. Um, so, you know, that doesn't help the batting average. No. But, I mean, if anyone's got the talent to, you know, catch up to that, you know, home run pace, and I think he has to at least tie to be considered first place for the Triple Crown contention. But it hasn't happened since Carly Dostremski of the Red Sox in 1967. And yeah. that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's some, it's some history. 
you know, we always like to see sports history. So it's something to look at, you know, with the game of uh, the baseball season really winding down. We thought we'd make the play here. Got to put it in stone. Will Miguel Cabrera win the Triple Crown? Oh, boy. Well, I don't know. I, I want to be optimistic about this because it's cool. I like it. So I'm going to say yes. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I have to look at the rest of their schedule. I should probably do that. But Well, uh, I, I can tell you, you know, Tigers, okay. hometown team and all. Hometown okay, team and all. One game left against Kansas City at home. Okay. Three games at Cleveland on the road, and then I think it's another three at Kansas City on the road. Yeah, I think I can do it. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say yes. Interesting. I <laughs> want to say yes so badly. It would be incredible. See, I've had to struggle with this Detroit Tigers team the entire season. Really high <laughs> payroll. One of the most just inconsistent teams I've ever watched and mm-hmm. it's, it's so frustrating and it sh- it would be something i mean they had justin verlander last year who became the first pitcher to win the most valuable player award for the american league since 1985 with you know roger clemens there yeah. won the cy young and the mvp incredible you know lost in the alcs if miguel cabrera wins the triple crown and if something happens like they don't Make the playoffs because right now they're a half game ahead of Chicago, and they just tied for the division lead yesterday for like the first time in a couple months. Um, if they don't make the playoffs and something like that historical happens, like you back to back years, like we just can't explain that. You can't mess with history like that. And I think you know last year was remarkable for the Tigers and all with what they did with individual accomplishments. I think he ends up one home run shy. Uh, I know if anyone has the talent to do it's Cabrera, but I've suffered with this Detroit Tigers team, and I can't put that much faith in them. There's still the chance they miss the playoffs, and that's awful. It's just awful. Anyway, the big sports story of the week here at the five-yard line is there, there's no no other choice. It's been you know tearing up the the sports news. Oh gosh. Oh man. How to start? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what the. Well, I don't know. I I guess you know if you stayed up and you watched all of Monday Night Football, and you sat there through that. What I guess. I don't know what what was a great game that was just. Oh, I, it was most poorly officiated. Speechless. He's speechless. Thing. How to I, put this into words? I I almost. I, I, I got on Twitter and I, I mentioned Tony and I said, I almost changed the wrestling, like wow, that's three bad. or four. That's times. bad. And you know, I have a feeling that their ratings went up during that game, um, because it was just it was hard to watch. I mean, it, it's a shame because it was one of the, the, probably one of the greatest defensive performances we'll see all year by the Seahawks. Oh yeah, I mean, eight sacks amazing. in the first half. I mean, oh my gosh! Crazy. Or our uh, alumni Bruce Irvin just was going crazy on him. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but so basically, um, what happened is, you know, before before even the end of the game, I mean, that's the thing that's really a lot of pe- got a lot of people questioning because it it cost the Packers the game. Um, What's the the call itself? 
Um, there were a couple of pass interference. One on the Seahawks that I, I mean, there's no way it could have been pass interference. Mm. Um, but then the things that got really questionable were um, on the Seahawks last drive. Um, I think it was second to last drive. There was a um, personal foul penalty or the yeah, roughing the quarterback penalty. Mm. Um, when um, Seahawks quarterback uh, was it Russell Wilson? Yeah, Russell Wilson, yeah. Through an interception. But then there was a personal foul roughing the passer penalty that he got called back for. And I mean, the ball had just left his hand. He was out of the pocket, rolling out of the pocket. Jeez. I, I don't know. I mean, there's no way that that's not what you call there. Um, and then there was another play on, I believe the last drive where they just, you know, they threw it down the sideline and it, I mean, I've never seen offensive pass interference so blatant. Like it would have been intercepted if it wouldn't, if, if the receiver hadn't gotten in the way Mm -hmm. and they called it defensive pass interference. Uh, That's one where they jumped on the guy's back. Something um, like that. I, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. ridiculous. And then the final, uh, I guess, nail in the coffin. I don't even know what you call it. Um, I, I can set the stage here for you. I and mean, Packers are up twelve to seven. They had missed a two point conversion. It would have put them up fourteen seven, but they didn't get that done. So Seahawks around the thirty five ish yard line, and so you going one, you know, time expiring. Hail Mary in the end zone, one last shot. And so you have players down there. And you know, the Detroit-Tennessee game had a situation where there was a Hail Mary, but it was like tipped and then a receiver caught it. Mm-hmm. Well, this one, you know, Seattle and you know, Russell Wilson throws it in the end zone from about 40 yards out. And a defensive back for Green Bay, M.D. Jennings, no, he's not a doctor, but M.D. Jennings goes up, gets two hands on the ball. Shortly thereafter, Seattle Seahawks receiver Golden Tate, who'd scored uh, their only touchdown up until that point, gets one hand on the ball right after, and then eventually tries to bring in another hand, but it's kind of like wrapped around Jennings' body. And, you know, they fall to the ground, and they're kind of wrestling for it. Two of these replacement officials come in, you know, (laughs) standing side by side. They're kind of looking at each other. One goes up with a touchdown. One goes up waving the hands to ultimately call an interception and a touchback. So, kind of mixed messages there. There yeah. isn't really that. There's, it's chaos on the field. They, just, they called it a touchdown pretty fast. That's what kind of shocked me about it. Mm-hmm. Is that they? I mean, they barely conferred at all. I mean, I, it just seemed like those two re- referees and not nobody else came over to like talk to them. Oh yeah, no huddle, uh, nothing like that. Um, you look at the replay, it's it's clearly an interception. Like, everyone looks at it, it's an interception. But the call on the field ended up being touchdown. And then they go to the booth to review it, and you apparently like, can't really determine possession or something like that, as far as, you know... And it, there's some rule that kind of threw a kink into the matter. I actually, I actually have the rule right here. Sure, I can read sure. It's um, simultaneous catch. Um, rule 8, Section 1, Article 3 um, states that if a pass is caught simultaneously by two eligible receivers and both players retain it, the ball belongs to the passers, which would be the Seahawks. 
but it, it wasn't not, a simultaneous yeah, catch. Yeah, exactly. It, it is not a simultaneous catch if the player gains control and the opponent substantially um, gains control. If the ball is muffed after simultaneous touching by two players, all of the players of the passing team become eligible to catch the loose ball. But this is not really what happens. Right. I mean, when you slow it down, you can clearly see this, you know, everybody was so caught up in the moment. But the other thing you see when you slow it down is you see another case of offensive pass interference. Yeah. You see Golden Tate just (laughs) shove the guy out of the way. And that they can't call on review. No, they can't. I mean, they can't, but it was just hilarious because when they asked him about it, he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Which these... helped him. I mean, it really did help him when he pushed the guy up. It helped him get up, too. And the worst is, like, you know, the NFL is to back these replacement officials. They can't just say, like, oh, yeah, they made a mistake. They have to try to, you know, reign, like, in the tough position in their, uh, their bargaining with the actual officials. So they say that there was, there was no indisputable video evidence to overturn the call on the field. And everyone's like, are, are you serious? It's a play that I'm sure will go down in some form of history of, you know, really bad calls. In a way, kind of like, you know, Tom Brady and the tuck rule. Like how that's just, you know, famous for, yeah. you know, questionable calls and rules and all that. Um, it, it was a debacle. Twitter blew up. I, and you know what? I don't think that I, I like. I actually have a feeling that even if it had been, you know, the regular refs, they still could have gotten it wrong. Like I'm, I'm sure they still could have gotten it wrong. A lot of people would. Um, the problem was it just did not seem like they conferred about it at all. It seemed like they made their decision right there. Well, like, plus with, with the, the other sec- call, with the other calls from what they were doing, oh. it you know didn't really set a good standard there. Oh no! I mean that's what made that. And it's a shame because. It was like, you know, it was a, a great drive besides all the penalties. The problem is the penalties really kept the drive going. Um, it overshadowed, again, what was, I guess, I guess they gave them that one sack, a, a nine sack, because I guess they gave them that one sack in the second half. A great performance by what I guess now is like the best, you know, front four in the league. I mean, you don't dominate the Packers like that up front and not be good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that's true. Uh, Joel, let's make the play here. Will this debacle expedite the process for getting the regular officials back to work? Um, I think will, it, it uh, basically it, will it be the straw that breaks the camel's yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. It it'll put more pressure, if anything, from the media because media loves this kind of stuff. You know, as much as you see those guys up there saying, "Oh, this is damaging the game," blah blah blah. You know, maybe some of those guys that play, but they didn't all play in the NFL. And really, I mean, the media loves scandals and sports. They love all this stuff because it gives them something to talk about and their ratings go up, you know, like crazy. Um, it gives us so, something to talk about, but I don't yeah, know about our exactly. <laughs> and so the thing is, it's uh, I, it, the, the pressure from me. I heard, um, I don't know, I retweeted something about how many calls the NFL front office got just today. Mm. And I heard it was they, they've never gotten that many calls in like a week or something. Wow! It, it was uh, and like people were giving out, uh, you know, the the people that work there giving out their numbers and stuff just for people to call up. Mm. And so 
I don't know, you, you know, the media is driving this because it was so blatant and obvious and there's an issue here and, you know, everybody keeps waiting for them to work out something. And from what I hear, there's, like, they've actually been talking a lot more and, like, it sounds like good news from a lot of the meetings that they're having. But you still don't know. I mean, that a lot of that stuff is behind closed doors, so we don't, we don't really know. I'd like to think that it helps speed it up. It's a shame that something like that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I will. I want to say I hope that it happens, but I don't really think that the NFL is going to give in just because it happened. No, because they've already taught. They've already spoke on the matter, and all they did was throw that rule out. Right. And say this is the rule. Yeah, I don't think it's going to help. I mean, you do have the reports saying that, you know, maybe some talks are continuing or progressing. Uh, but people aren't going to stop watching. That's for one. And the other thing is, you know, any publicity is good publicity. I mean, it's bringing more attention to the NFL. Baseball, they're in pennant chases right now. Really good pennant chases. But nobody cares because these replacement officials are stealing the sports spotlight Mm -hmm. and that just makes the nfl even more money so yeah i hope that you know the officials get back to work soon uh but it's really not helping their case here especially when week four starts tomorrow with you know cleveland at baltimore if if anything we get good pictures and uh parody videos out of it uh, that's true that's true let's get to the replay you know games from last week we'll cover them really quickly um it was an interesting week, that's for sure. We thought you know a lot of upsets would happen. Uh, you know, started with Virginia at TCU minus seventeen and a half, so that means that the home team TCU is favored by seventeen and a half points. TCU won twenty-seven to seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Virginia would get the upset. Wrong, 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 wrong. So wrong. But I mean, twenty-point spread over seventeen and a half—that was was cutting it close. Yeah, I mean they were at home, um, and you know they've got a. I think they're finally starting to get everything together right before Big 12 conference mm-hmm. play. So. Oregon State pulled out another gutsy road win against UCLA. Uh, UCLA at home minus eight. OSU twenty-seven to twenty. Yeah, I mean that's what I, that's what I was saying. Oregon State is looking a lot better this year, and it's not like their offense doesn't even look that good. It's just uh, they're I don't they can run the ball, which is good, but um, UCLA just disappointing all the people who want them to be good which is like everybody <laughs> mm-hmm. michigan at notre dame minus five and a half and i thought like these schools would usually cover but here's what happened denard intercept uh denard robinson threw four interceptions fumbled once vincent smith threw a halfback pass that got intercepted there was a streak where five straight michigan passes were intercepted mm-hmm and they still only lost by seven as Notre Dame won thirteen to six. Yeah, I think that that kind of looking at Notre Dame's schedule ahead. I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, Michigan's defense might have improved a little bit since you know the start of the year, but mm-hmm. they're gonna. I mean, I don't know how they're gonna win their some of their. I mean, they're gonna probably at least lose two or three yep. if their offense can't get things together. And you know, all credit to their defense. They. I, I want to say that they held him in check, but he held himself in check, and the play calling held himself in check, because if you don't roll him out, then you're not using him correctly. Yep. 
Yeah, it's right now all about Denard Robinson's feet, and if he can't get those pointed in the right direction to make good throws, which he can do, yeah, he can make really good throws. But if his you know back foot is you know misaligned and all, that ball is going sailing. But it just seemed like the thing that really shocked me was that there was there's all this room on the right side. They're blitzing from the left side, and he just stands there in the pocket. I could not understand. Mm-hmm. I just I was like shocked, but oh. Kansas State at Oklahoma, minus 14. The only game I got right in my predictions was Kansas State. I thought would at least, you know, prevent Oklahoma from covering the spread, but they pulled the upset, Kansas State, mm-hmm. 24-19. Yeah, Oklahoma turned the ball over a ton. I think as many times as Michigan did. And uh, I don't know. I, I was impressed with Kansas State. Um, I mean, I still I, I still can't believe Oklahoma turned the ball over that much, but... Um, you're right. I mean, Kansas State looks legit this year. Mm-hmm. Clemson at Florida State, minus 14, where I said that Florida State would win by 21. They were so close. If you watch that game, seriously, <laughs> Florida State comes back. They score like 28 unanswered points. They're driving. Then they suddenly, their offense just stops. And they could have gone up by, you know, 21. And then yeah. suddenly, you know, Clemson gets the ball back. They score this lucky tip pass, and <laughs> the margin becomes twelve. It really, and then that means that Florida State can't cover. So, well, Clemson. you know what though? I was impressed with the way Clemson came out because if you watched their, if you watched any of their games early in the year, that was completely different from what they. I mean, that was not the off. That was a completely different offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did not throw the ball that much earlier in the year, and it just looked completely. I mean, they're pulling out trick plays, and it's just like, what is going on here? But, um, again, all Florida State had to do this year, pretty much, I think, on their regular season schedule was beat Clemson, and I think I don't see anyone else beating them just because there's no one else in their conference that can, really. I mean, unless they really screw up. I mean, I don't see that happening, but... They are really so good. They should have won by 21, and it's surprising they didn't. 49-37 to 37 was the final there. Florida State over Clemson. Mm-hmm. Arizona at Oregon, minus 24. I thought Arizona could pull the upset here. Nope, nope, nope. So wrong. Nope. Oregon, 49 nothing. And you know what? Um, it's kind of scary because Oregon has a defense. Because uh, Arizona came into the game averaging... A ton of yards, and they still got yards, but Oregon's red zone defense looks as good as anybody's. They were on fire with that Rich Rod offense there. Yeah, I mean, Oregon Oregon returned two interceptions for touchdowns, like five minutes apart from each other. Wow. Pretty incredible. Uh, the extra point was Missouri at South Carolina, minus 10. South Carolina, 31 to 10. I missed that one. You had Maryland at WVU. Yeah. Minus twenty seven. What happened? Um, well, we didn't we didn't know that our starting running back wasn't practicing all week with a bruised thigh, and so he didn't play because he didn't practice all week. Okay. Um, so we could not run the ball at all. I mean, it was part part partly because they were you know stopping the run. I mean, they were doing a really good job. Their defensive line is so much better than I thought it would be. Mm. Um, there's at least two guys on that line that will be draft picks. I'm sure of it. And then, I mean, they they probably have one of the best freshman receivers in the country. I mean, that the the kid is just ridiculous. And it's funny because I listen to a lot of other um, like 
radio programs earlier this week and everybody wanted to talk that was the only thing they talked about from that game was how good he looks i mean they said that he's like their Tavon austin so um, i mean west virginia did win 31 21 but did not cover that huge spread yeah i'm we still haven't turned the ball over, so oh, that's, <laughs> a, that's, that. good, that's a good sign. Um, hopefully, it doesn't happen this weekend. So. Mm. Uh, the NFL game is Buffalo at Cleveland plus three. Buffalo wins twenty four fourteen. That's the last time I picked the Factory of Sadness. That was the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, disappointing there. Tampa- I like changed my mind. Why did I do that? I, I was <laughs> sure I was going to pick Buffalo, and then like I think you convinced me to change my mind because of Tony. <laughs> Gotta go with your gut there. <laughs> Tampa Bay at Dallas, minus 7.5. Dallas wins 16-10. to 10, Does not cover. Tampa Bay gets that one. Yep. Uh, Philadelphia at Arizona. Arizona's defense looking mighty fine, even though it was a plus oh four. They, 27 uh, to 6. They obliterate. I mean, their defense just crushed Philadelphia. I was laughing while watching it. And I got to, their black uniforms, those are sharp. I'm partial to those black uniforms. Yeah, those are nice. Houston at Denver, plus one. Houston comes storming out of the gate, gives up some points late. Houston holds on to win 31-25, and they Got get that. Number one in my power rankings right now because of what happened to San Francisco. Uh, that's true. I mean, yeah, we don't have it on the list, but San Francisco comes in and you know doesn't respect Minnesota, and they beat them. Christian Ponder representing the Seminole. There you go. Uh, we had back to the pick six for the recap here, the replay. New England at Baltimore, minus three. So Baltimore favored by a field goal. It took a field goal to win, but it was 31-30. to 30. Baltimore wins by one. New England. And just, and just two it. notes from this game, like real quick notes. Um, the Ravens receiver, Torrey Smith, mm-hmm. came out and just had an amazing, inspired game. Um, not, not many people know, but his, um, his brother, you know, died in a motorcycle accident not 24 hours before that game. So, and then there was the thing that it seems like everyone's making a big deal about uh, Bill Belichick grabbing an official. Oh yeah, at the end of the game, and I don't really. I mean, a lot of coaches do that all the time, and they never say anything. So, well, I mean, it's never a good idea to make physical contact with the officials. If a player did that, he'd be you know kicked out of the game. Um, you know, heavily fine. I mean, Belichick got fifty thousand dollars of a fine, uh, but you know, still, it's it's the the coaches are getting sick of these referees, and understandably so. And then Green Bay at Seattle, like we mentioned, plus three. Uh, Seattle one wins fourteen to twelve, <laughs> even though they you gotta put have. an asterisk beside that game. Seriously. <laughs> so uh, overall, for NCAA football. I'm ten and eighteen. You are twelve and sixteen, so you have the two game advantage ahead of me. Uh, NFL, I'm nine and nine at five hundred there, and you are ten and eight. And so for the NFL, that puts you in the lead with Major Moses there, mm-hmm. and Moses storming away in college football, eighteen and ten. Mm-hmm. We just might have to have him as our first guest because uh, all all these picks, those are impressive. That's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to the pick six for this week in these these slate of games. It's a interesting slate of games, that's for sure. Let's start out in college football. Baylor at your West Virginia Mountaineers, Joel. Minus 13, Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Who do you got? Well, um, Baylor's, I mean, they've 
they've probably got next to us. They've probably got one of the best receiving cores in the country, and um, they can run. I mean, they do offense. That's they've scored like forty-two points in nine straight games or something, going back to last year. Um, but their defense is awful. I mean, Louisiana Monroe was going up and down the field on them. And not to say anything about them, because they're actually pretty good this year, mm-hmm. but um, still that shouldn't be happening. I mean, especially if you're a ranked team. So, um, I, you know, I think maybe that this final score might be something like 52 to like 35 mm-hmm. or something like that. Um I just think, like, I think our defense is better than their defense, and I think that our passing attack is better than theirs, and that is their weakness on defense. So I'm going to go, I think we can cover two touchdowns at okay. home. First game, you know, in the Big 12. It's going to be packed house, so. Are you going to that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. You have to tell us what it was like. Um, yeah, I think we have, let's see. Oh, we're doing, like, a stripe the stadium thing. We're, like, blue, gold, blue, gold, blue, gold. Nice. And then uh, I think they're having some, like, Trace Atkins or someone sing the National Anthem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> some guy. I don't know. Yeah, if this game was more than two touchdowns, I would pick Baylor, but I trust WVU here. Uh, give me... I think, yeah, I think we're getting a running back back. So Yeah. Give me the Mountaineers to cover the 13 points. Ohio State at Michigan State. This is the college game day, game of the week. I know friends in East Lansing are pumped to have them there. Uh, Ohio State at Michigan State, minus two and a half. Sparty with the edge there as far as favorites go at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. I have Ohio State. Uh, Michigan State struggling last week against Eastern Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not have the lead until the fourth quarter, was losing at halftime, and they tacked on a couple touchdowns late, but it's Le'Veon Bell carrying that team, and the passing attack cannot put it together right now. Granted, Michigan State's defense is very good, but I see more talent on both sides. Well, I think the difference between Ohio State's offense and Michigan State's offense is greater than the margin between the two defenses. Uh, I think... Ohio State can maybe pull the upset, but it's going to be a close one. I'm picking Ohio State as much as I don't like doing that. Yeah. I, it's tough picking between those two as a Michigan fan. I'll just say that. Oh well, yeah, you probably just wish the stadium would like disappear. But <laughs> I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be that cruel. <laughs> um, well, that's what I always said when Virginia Tech and Pitt played. But um, so with this one, I you know I I'm going to go with Ohio State. I actually think um, you know maybe maybe like a touchdown. Um, the thing is, I think Braxton Miller takes a step back in this game, though, mm-hmm. because, um, they really haven't played anyone. I mean, anyone. No, who's... they haven't. And, um, I think Michigan State's, I don't think they've played a defense as good as Michigan State's. I still think Michigan State's got, you know, some really good players on defense. Um, Ohio State has, I mean, they should have a really good defensive line. I mean, I'm kind of surprised they're not really shutting down everybody because there's a lot of talent on that defensive line. Um, and I think that it'll be tough for Michigan State to run the ball, which mm-hmm. is all they can do, really. Right. Um, I don't. I think Braxton Miller doesn't have a very good game statistics-wise that everyone's used to seeing him have. Um, but I still think Ohio State can win just because Michigan State can't really do much at all on offense. So... Um, I'm going to go with Ohio State. 
Yeah, it's a huge litmus test for the Spartans. And when they had that against Notre Dame, struggled. I mean, Ohio State's had close games against some of these teams, but they've found, found a way to pull out the win. Uh, Tennessee at Georgia is the next one, minus 13 at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Who do you have? Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I like Georgia. Um, you know, it's a home crowd. Um, and um, they've been pretty much beaten up on everybody that they played. Um, and, you know, Tennessee got beat down by Florida. And I think that I think Georgia could probably beat Florida. So, yeah, Tennessee got beaten down by Florida late. Uh, you know, just running the ball. I think Georgia's been rack, racking up the points. Thirteen, I think, is nothing. Yeah. Uh, I I would be like the whole oh, twenty-one points thing again, but you know, I think Georgia <clears> can <throat> definitely cover. Give me the Bulldogs for sure. Um, Texas at Oklahoma State plus two and a half at seven fifty p.m. Eastern. My room in this new house that I'm moving into is a burnt orange color, and I know. <laughs> Oklahoma State Cowboys are kind of an orange color, but it's different. This is this is a <laughs> Texas Longhorn burnt orange. Uh, with that logic, no, honestly, Oklahoma State has been a huge disappointment this year. I think two and a half points is nothing for the Longhorns. Hook them. Give me Texas in this one. Oh yeah, I mean Texas's run game. I mean that is just gonna kill. It's going to kill Oklahoma State. They, they won't be able to stop at all. They've got at least four guys that they're comfortable with putting in the game at any time that can run the ball. I mean, right now, I think that Mac Brown is looking at what Nick Saban did at Alabama, you know, building around the running game and defense. Mm-hmm. I, they're going to be scary in a year or two. I mean, they're, they're recruiting so much talent, and they're Texas is going to be back. Yeah, I can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, not relying on just one player to carry you anymore. I mean, they're they're building that team really well. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with Texas, and I don't really think this one's gonna be close. I mean, I know Oklahoma yeah. State still has playmakers on offense, but they will not be able to stop Texas at all. Yeah, Wisconsin at Nebraska minus eleven and a half at eight p.m. Eastern on ABC. Mm. I have Wisconsin. Yeah, I think Wisconsin has to put something together this year. They have talent. Monte Ball. I know it's going to be Nebraska and the black shirts and the home crowd and all that stuff. And they kind of did pound their last opponent who was kind of nothing. And they put up like 73 points against a powder puff. 11.5 points is a lot against that proud Wisconsin Badger team. Uh, so I don't know if Wisconsin can pull the upset, but give me Wisconsin in this one. Um, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin has to get themselves together right now or they're, they're going to be done because the, I mean, I mean, even, even, even though a lot of the teams in the big 12, I mean, in the, in the big 10 are kind of struggling right now. Um, it, I mean, they've been struggling against like out of conference people really. So it's not, it's still, you know, it's still lose a game or two and you might not have a chance at winning your division. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I still think Wisconsin can win their division, but um, I don't know. I, I just, I think, I think Nebraska had their wake up game, and I, I think Wisconsin. I think there's too much, too many problems on Wisconsin, which is really shocking to hear myself to hear say because 
I expected them to beat a BCS game too. So uh, I like I like Nebraska in this game. All right, Oregon State at Arizona minus two and a half at 10 p.m. Eastern. A late one here. Who do you got, Joel? Um, I'm going with Oregon State. Um, I liked what they did against UCLA last week, um, and I I think I really think that it's kind of a mental thing with you know with Arizona. Um, I I hear you. A shocking <laughs> shellacking, as it were. Yes, and um, I don't know. Like I don't. I think that I think what. Rodriguez will do is he'll try and change some stuff on their offense for the next week instead of just sticking with what they're already learning, which is difficult because they're you know they're learning a brand new offense already. Um, and um, I don't know, maybe he'll just keep throwing those bubble screens. In. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I like Oregon State. This one. Yeah, me too. Uh, give me the Beavers. Two Beavers are better than one. That has nothing to do with this, but it's somehow relevant. <laughs> Guess so. Um, Oregon State's going to take the momentum from last week, and you can't come off a worse loss than Arizona did. And I'll tell you, we both know Rich Rodriguez <laughs> just a little bit here and how he handles football and losses and all that. Uh, give me the Beavers. Minus two and a half there for Arizona. I They can they can clear that for for Oregon State there. Now, the extra point we both picked this week because Michigan has a bye and West Virginia is already playing a game in the pick six. So we get to pick Clemson at Boston College plus nine and a half at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm picking Clemson in this one. Um, I think they had a hell of an offense against Florida State, who's got a great defense. And I don't see BC putting up much of a fight. Uh, Clemson wins by two touchdowns at least. Um, you got to think that, you know, Clemson knows that, I mean, I guess they still, they still could possibly get into a BCS game. I think it kind of depends on what happens with the Big Ten. If, you know, if they could get, Big Ten they could stinks, still, so. yeah, if they could still get two teams or not. So, um, Clemson still has motivation to win every single game, you know, that they can. Absolutely. And so I'm. You know, it might be a little bit of an emotional letdown coming off that big game and putting everything you had into it and losing. But, um, again, they're just two towns on offense. Now that they've got everybody back on offense, you saw just how good it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to go with them. And Boston College is Boston College this year. <laughs> yeah. All right, week four of the NFL. We're going to start off at Ford Field in Detroit. Where Minnesota comes to Detroit minus five and a half at one p.m. Eastern. Who do you think is going to get this one as far as the spread goes? This is kind of tough, just because. I mean, it depends if, if the Minnesota team that showed up last week shows up, then it's going to be Minnesota. I mean, they just. I mean, they're the only people that kind of like punch, you know, San Francisco in the face. Um. And I really, I don't know. Question: Do you know if um, Matt Stafford is playing? Um, Matt Stafford has a hip injury right now. He was out of practice today. Yeah. But he thinks he's pretty optimistic for coming back tomorrow. He should be ready to go. I think by Sunday. Okay. Um, so it does make a difference, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> obviously, yes, it does. Um, 
Although, you know, Sean Hill coming in and throwing two touchdowns in 18 seconds. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I kind of think that Minnesota might have a little emotional letdown of them, their own for the opposite reason. You know, just because you, you beat what, what everyone was saying was the best team in the NFL. Um, I mean, the quarterback played amazing. Uh, I as long as Matt Stafford's back, <laughs> I like Detroit in this one because they got to win some games. They got to keep winning. I mean, Detroit they, they has win. to win some games. You're absolutely right. Uh, they're going in the bye next week. They got to get a win here. Yes, it's not far in the season, but it's already desperation time. You've got to. I mean, why else would you send him back into play already? You, mm-hmm. you know, if he's gonna play, you got to win. I mean, logic, you know, if you're using, like, the sports transitive property or whatever, would dictate that Minnesota wins this one. Mm-hmm. I think Detroit just has too much talent on, you know, the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and if you just get the, you know, short passing games going, I don't think, you know, Jared Allen can make that much of an impact. Mm-hmm. And the defensive line has to step it up. Uh, Detroit has too talented of a defensive line to not... You make an impact at all last week against Tennessee. Detroit, five and a half. They cover it, I think. Give me the lines. Seattle at St. Louis, plus one. Also at 1 p.m. Eastern. Interesting matchup, this one here. Um, I'm picking the Rams. I think Seattle can't really ride this high, you know, being given a game like this. And I don't know if the refs have it out for them. St. Louis is a much better team than people give them credit for. I know the Bears were a tough test uh, last week. Because, you know, Chicago's pretty good. Um, give me the Rams in this one. Yeah. I, I just got a gut feeling with St. Louis here. Well, it's, um, it's I mean, what, plus one? Yep. It's a, it's a pick more or less. Yeah. Um, I think that I, I'm still going to go with Seattle. And for, the, for another interesting reason, I think that despite what everyone's saying, um, their quarterback gained a lot of confidence at the end of the game, regardless of how it happened. I mean, yeah, he's the first quarterback in history to throw a game-winning interception. Why wouldn't he? He's a rookie quarterback, too. Um, And, um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, well, when the refs are, you know, on your side, then (laughs) you win any game. But um, even without that, their defensive line is really good. I mean, is really good. If they can force St. Louis to pass the ball, I feel bad for the quarterback because I mean, there, there's a lot. There's like legit talent on that defensive line. Um, and then you know, I I I think they're gonna pound the ball a little bit with um, who I you know I I still like is one of the best running backs in the NFL, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. yeah, I like him. I think I think he's gonna. Cool peace mode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they'll be able to cover the spread. All right. Miami at Arizona, minus six at 4.05 Eastern time. Wouldn't, Arizona's six-point favorite. You wouldn't imagine that at the beginning why of the year. Why is it like... Why is it... I don't understand why it's um so close, though. Like, have you watched Miami play this year? The Miami Jets game last week was painful. <laughs> was so bad. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Arizona just because I mean they're good and um 
simple explanation. And Miami, uh, didn't Reggie Bush just get hurt? He's hurt a little bit. I don't know if he'll come back for this one, but yeah, there, he's banged up a little bit. I don't think it would matter, actually. Um, Arizona <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. What I didn't even know why I asked that. Arizona's they're tied for the best record in the NFL, so gotta go with them. Cardinals at home, it won't be close. Moving on. New Orleans at Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Minus nine at four twenty five Eastern. Oh god. Give me the Packers. Packers are hungry. <laughs> I would Orleans, hate to be New Orleans right New now. Orleans is running with buzzsaw here. They're going to drop to 0-4. Um, yeah, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, they're going to come out with a head of steam. They're going to, I mean, they might break the NFL scoring record. I No, it's not going to be like that. No, I no, no. I, I actually do think that they might do that. Well, New Orleans isn't that good. No, they're but not. Still, but, but still, I like... I'd do it. <laughs> Drew Brees will keep off. the Packers off the field long enough. They'll put together some drives, but nine points seems like a lot in the NFL. I think that I don't like, I'm not really even talking about the offense. I think that that Green Bay defense is going to be mad. It's, I, they're going to make up for all the interceptions they didn't get <laughs> last week. Yes, that's true. Yeah, Packers. Give me the Packers. Yeah, I got to go with them. Got to go with them. All right, New York Giants at Philadelphia Eagles minus one. Again, kind of another uh, you know pick them here. This is the NBC Sunday Night Football game at eight twenty. Who do you have in this? Um, I have the Giants just because Philadelphia looks a mess. I mean, they just look like a mess right now. Even in their wins that they had, what are they doing on offense? I mean, it's like they don't know what to do. Seriously, to... give the ball to Sean McCoy more. It's yeah, not like he's on my fantasy backs. football team, but you know. I mean, he can catch the ball. He can run the ball. I don't. I actually heard something about because I didn't watch all of that game. But did they switch quarterbacks? I don't think they did. No. I heard that they're getting really antsy and they want to. And I believe it's Nick Foles. It is. Yep. Arizona. I mean, Kafka. I think. Oh, they might have caught him. Oh, okay. Former kid from Northwestern. Yeah. But yeah, Nick Foles, a couple years from Arizona there. Um, look, if they struggled against the Arizona defense, look, the Arizona defense is really good. Uh, what about that pass rush of the New York Giants? <laughs> how, do you think, how do you think that's going to handle? How do you think they're going to take that? No, um, Eli Manning is also you know, starting to throw the ball really well and getting a rhythm there with his receivers. And they're finding some deep depth. Um, God, that's... That was stupid. Why did I just say that? That's obvious. <laughs> There's some deep depth, stupid. It's really deep. Yeah, some depth at running back there. So I think the Giants will win pretty handily. And that's unfortunate. You know, Philadelphia was the team I had in winning that division. But um, I mean the Giants in this one. I don't know. If, you know, if the Giants play too well in the regular season, they might not do so well. In the- this is true. All right, and finally, the Monday night football game, Chicago Bears at Dallas Cowboys, minus three and a half. It's 8, 8.30 on Monday night. I have the Bears. Now, they came with back with a little you know, bounce back here. I know there is the issue possibly with you know, DeMarcus Ware causing problems with that offensive line, Jay Cutler, etc. But Chicago's offense has to click sometime. Right now, it's you know all defense and Robbie Gold kind of carrying the team. But once that offense clicks, 
watch out. Um, minus three and a half. Yeah, I, they, Chicago could win by, you know, a field goal, or even if Dallas wins by a field goal, that won't be enough to cover. Yeah, I got the Bears. Yeah. Um, I I think I'm I'm just gonna go with Dallas just because it's a home game. Uh, like, um, I think they kind of struggled last week with. But everybody seems to be struggling with Tampa Bay. I don't know. I I just it's a little shout. Tampa Bay plays hard. I like I I kind of like how they play, regardless of what they do. Whatever you're needing the ball. Mm-hmm, that's true. Um, I I don't know. I like I still like Dallas's offensive weapons. I think that eventually they're going to play better on offense. Um, uh, and you know it's. Kind of, we're kind of waiting for Chicago. Everybody's waiting for Chicago to do something. They they've got to start doing something now, or they're going to be in trouble later on when playoff time comes around. Crap, or get off the pot. All right, so we have one game difference in college football here, and two games different in NFL. So we'll see how that stacks up. Uh, goodness, it's going to be a crazy weekend for me, but I'm hoping that we might be able to. You know, swing something with uh, Comcast that brother and I might be getting hooked up with NFL Red Zone and uh, College Goal Line. So that would be really nice. Oh, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I love College Goal Line. <laughs> you have it? <laughs> no, I have, I have friends that have it, though. Man, I'm, I'm excited for that. So I know we said that last time, but you know, maybe once... Things die down a little bit as far as busyness and craziness. We'll have a guest on the show and we'll see how that goes. But anyway, we got to wrap things up here. Thanks again, Joel, for being on. It's always fun to talk the sports with you. Yes, <laughs> of course. It's great. All right. With that, I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. All right. We hope you enjoy the week in sports. Take care.